Hey, I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping anyone who feels like they're not making the most of their potential to level up and live the legendary life of their dreams. You deserve to be the king or queen of your own kingdom, and I'll be here to help you be the best version of you that you can be. I'm glad you're here, so let's get to it. Hey, it's the Johnny King Show. Welcome, welcome to my kitchen table. <laughs> Thank you. I'm here with my man, Rick Eric. Uh, we met uh, earlier this year on Tinder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Glad you didn't say grinder. Yeah, yeah. We met through the Meeting of Men. Meeting of Men, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, earlier this year um, when I was doing it downtown. We've become good friends. He's uh, uh, not only a friend, but also a client of mine and... Uh, we have a lot of good conversations, which was one of the reasons why I said, hey, you know what? Why don't you come on the podcast? And Man, I am really glad to be here. Yeah. It's fun very, to very glad to be here. just kick some things around because we have a lot of similar um, views on things, and he's got just as much, uh, if not more, passion and energy towards a lot of these conversations that are going around the interwebs about being a man and toxic masculinity. I wrote an email months and months ago. About toxic masculinity, or used the word, the, you know, I referred to toxic masculinity, and you wrote back an awesome uh, retort, which was like, I'm sick and tired of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? You know? And, and then ironically, you didn't get my reply back. I sent it, but it went into your junk mail. Yeah, I actually remember thinking I pissed you off. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. thought I was stonewalling you, which I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, I was actually pretty psyched about it. And I was like, hey, this is actually perfect. Would you ever want to do a podcast? Or would you ever want to come be a speaker at one of my men's meetings? Which you are in a week and a half. Or a week. A week. Which will be amazing. Right so that will be fun. <clears throat> um, but let's talk about that real quick uh, since we're on it. Talk about what's, what's, what's the beef What's the beef with toxic masculinity as you see it? Well, you know, and it, it's always kind of a, I feel like I always have to preface it because there's toxic masculinity that's going out there. There's the Me Too movement. And um, there's a caution almost that I feel like I have to have um, because if you speak against those terms, um, I don't want to paint a picture come across that um, – that women's rights aren't important, that they're right. not equal. Right. Well, and I'll, wait, I'll, I should back up and say I don't think women are equal. I think men and women are very, very different, mm -hmm. and those differences um, need to be celebrated and recognized. Mm -hmm. um, but with the Me Too movement or with toxic masculinity, um, my biggest beef with it is that most of the literature that's being put out there is masculinity and how it needs to be shown up <clears throat> or how it needs to be reconstructed yeah. um, or represented right. is actually being defined by women. Yeah. And I don't think women are the expert for how uh, men should show up just like men aren't the expert for how women need to show up. Right. So, um, but I feel like it makes sense though. In my mind, I'm like, well, that's because as long as I was, you know, being raised, my dad being a workaholic and wasn't there, my sense of masculinity or, or me being a man was actually being shaped by my mom and my sister and my Sunday school teachers and my school teachers, all of whom were female. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that women would be like, well, there's been no men around anyways. So we feel like we have the right to define it because we've been raising our boys for generations. Right. Right. So no blame, no, no, uh, knock on them, but I completely agree with you. It's not a, 
I feel like the feminine's place to define what it means. Well, and then on that side, I mean, uh, there's there's all kinds of statistics that say there are so many kids that are being raised in fatherless homes, yeah. right? Lots of boys are. Yeah. Um, and that's been happening for, for decades. It's yeah. not something that's yeah. brand new. And so if you look at it from that lens, if you're saying toxic masculinity, or that's what this is yeah. right now, well, most of that tox, toxic masculinity, they were actually raised by their moms. Right. So, so, so it's not, it's not working. Like that's not the right, fix. Right. Um, you know, I just, I just think that, that there's a such thing as toxic behavior for sure. Um, but I, I don't think that's gender specific. Right. Um, I don't think that it should be aimed at, um, at men or women. I just right. think behaviors are behaviors and let's change the toxic stuff. Well, yeah. And I feel like the toxicity is not, uh, even to be blamed upon, Women, because I know several women that are single moms uh, of my age and my generation who are doing a ridiculously fabulous job as much as they can. And yet I also know their little guys are somewhat loose cannons because they have to be both mom and dad. And, and, the, and, the, and the little boy like loves their mother and yet you know the, the boy will also challenge her and push her envelope. And... Um, and I've just seen that that's so, so much of the toxicity, I think, comes from a man's wound, which is the result of the abandonment or uh, the lack of male mentorship that they never received. It's not the female's, it's not the woman's place or her fault, I don't think. What do you think? I, I don't think it's her fault at all, but I think there's, there's a lot of um, articles or research that's out there, <clears throat> too, for instance... Um, women or, or girls, ladies, they just perform better in school yeah. on average. Yeah. Um, there's more ladies going to college now than men. Um, but there's a lot of research that shows out there that most teachers are, are female. Yep. And so the way the classroom shows up is done in a certain way mm -hmm. um, where boys just learn differently. Yeah. So we're not equal. We don't learn the same. One's not better than the other, but the accommodations that are put in most schools are geared towards a feminine mind and how they learn. And what that's showing up now is, is men just don't, don't stay in school. There's a lot more women in college, really because we don't do a great job at catering to both. Yeah. Um, so, so, and I don't think that's toxic. When you look at a boy's behavior in school and how they are wired to learn um, isn't a toxic thing but we've defined it like that right right and so so that that's the thing is um a lot of what's being defined as toxic masculinity it's not it's just how we're wired yeah i agree <clears throat> I, I i wonder um because i've done a bunch of personal development and done a lot of shadow work have you heard of that no terminology um there being a a light and a darkness to all of us you know and that there's um there's an element of darkness that we all actually like, you know, it's like the, um, like I was just watching uh, a Netflix uh, episode of Explained. Have you seen that at all? No. <clears throat> it just explains like, just random things like cricket. For all of us that live here, like, what is cricket? What are the rules? But there's one that also talks about, um, one of the more recent ones was about um, sexual fantasy. I was like, eh, all right. But it just goes to show as they were doing, the, like most people think they have all these crazy sexual fantasies when actually most people have a lot of the same sexual fantasies of either having sex in, in random places, public places, or role playing, 
or doing it with more than one person, you know? And so that kind of breaks it down into various things. And why I bring, why I bring that up is because it's, it's the, that's kind of a little more of the shadow side of us that we don't want to let anyone know that we have these sexual fantasies or that we're human or that we have, uh, you know, challenges with addiction to various things, you know, which might be masking pain, but then there's also a part of it that we're addicted to the pleasure of this kind of the, the shadow side of ourselves that we're not proud of, but that is also a part of us that, to your point when we were talking earlier, it's, there's a part of us that because we shame it and because we keep mm-hmm. it in the shadow, right. it actually makes it out to be this huge thing. When if we actually bring it into the light, like, oh, okay, you have your sexual fantasies. I must, you know, we all have it. Right. It's really not as taboo as we think it is. Well, you know? I, I just, I had, I had dinner um, with a buddy of mine and we were, we were talking about some of the stuff that he was going through and he, he used the sentence, he said, um, if my wife ever found out. Mm. And I've heard people say that a lot. All the time. You know, I, I hope my wife doesn't find out, my husband can't find out. Um, and so, so what it made me think of is that because he's censoring those things, that he's not living or showing who his true self is, yeah. right? So there's this, there's this loneliness that has to come from that yeah. because... Um, He's living an imposter syndrome, yep. right? Yep. Um, and man, wouldn't it be great if, especially if it's your wife or your husband or the people that mean the most to you, that you could be completely transparent and say, hey, you know what? I'm struggling with this. I'm broken with this. I'm fantasizing about mm. this. Um, this happened to me when I was younger or I did this to somebody yeah. else. Yeah. Whatever those things were. And then that person that you're talking to receives you in a way that says, you know what, I'm broken too and I get it. Mm-hmm. And instead of judging you or instead of making you, you feel bad for those rejecting mistakes you. or rejecting mm-hmm. you or whatever, mm-hmm. instead, I'm going to lock arms with you. I'm going to hold you. I'm mm-hmm. going to embrace you. I'm going to let you tell me all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And when we're done, I'm going to encourage you and love you through it. Mm-hmm. That's where I think a lot of this stuff <clears throat> is broken. Because you're right, we're all broken. Um, my wife and I actually were just talking about some of this. And I think it shows up like this is a pretty simple example of how that could show up. Yeah. But... Um, you know, when you're, when you're in traffic and when you're driving, um, when you're in your parking lot and you, you're backing out and you don't look over your shoulder and somebody's honking at you, or you're waiting too long at the green light and you're looking at your phone and you just piss somebody off, or you merge because you didn't look in the right, blind right, spot right. and somebody gets mad, and that person is angry and they flip you off and they have all, my th- my head always goes to, you know what, yeah, I'm sorry that I just did this to you, but you know what, without any hesitation or doubt, I know that you probably just did that to somebody yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So we all are struggling and let's just find mercy and empathy in that. Right. Which, which is easier said than done because I feel like people are, are always looking for a reason to kind of jump down your throat, you know, and to, to go on the offensive or because it's the unresolved pain, you know, that just comes out, you know, that maybe isn't actually towards you (laughs) or held all towards you because you're the one who's cutting in line, you know, um, but from all this past behavior, things that have been bottled up and kept inside that they start to just pop kind of erratically, you know? So I think it's a great analogy because we've all, we've all been there. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, I've, I've done that yeah. where I'm the one honking like, Oh, it's green. Go, come on. I got to get somewhere, you know? Right. And I'm right. late because I didn't leave soon enough. And so I'm getting angry at them. 
And then I've also been the one who was on my phone and like, oh, getting honked at like, but then also being kind of angry at them, like, come on, chill out. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. I never get mad at somebody's <clears throat> traffic mistake. I do get mad at the people that get mad at me for yeah. making a traffic <laughs> yeah. mistake. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. But, yeah, I think that's it's it's good that you bring that up because I think you're absolutely right. It makes me think of when my father came out to me uh, that he's gay. What ten years ago? Um, he was so afraid that I was because because I was really at that point at my breaking point with him. And I was the one who provoked him coming out to my sister the night before over the phone when she called him and said, hey, you need to do something about your relationship with Johnny. Otherwise, you're going to lose him because he's so angry and upset with you. And so I think he had, you know, viable reasons for believing that I would reject him and be like, screw you. You know, right. I'm out, you know, this on top of everything else. But it's actually the exact opposite. When he came out and was vulnerable and said, this is my truth and this is what I've been struggling with my entire life. And oh, by the way, this comes back from when I was a child and this and this happened. I ended up coming from a place of such empathy. I was like, oh, man, okay, this makes so much more sense versus me thinking that you have all your shit together and you're amazing and you should be a better father and you just don't love me. It was like, no, you still love me, but you have your own stuff going on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so you just saw him a different <clears throat> light that he's been just trying to figure out his best way to navigate yeah. through his stuff. Yeah. And then how that showed up and impacted you. Yeah, yeah for sure. Super, Absolutely. super healing moment yeah. for me. And in our, in our relationship completely changed trajectory from that moment on. And now we're super tight. Yeah. We talk every single day. But um, I think that's, that is the, the fear. And I think that's why so many men... <clears throat> do i mean women as well but just speaking about men's health so many men bottle up and then they feel like their only way out is to use some type of substance or to kill themselves literally or just to even if it's not like physically killing themselves they just go um, emotionally flatlined and they just become sedated and stagnant right yeah so that affects of course you know, the relationship with their spouses or their children, if they have any, or their work and everything else. Well, and I bet, and I can, from personal experience, that when your dad had that conversation with you, that mm -hmm. that was probably one of the hardest things oh, yeah. um, that he ever had to do and mustering up the strength yep. to do that. Yep. Um, and then to have your response be something empathetic and loving and going, I get you and I'm here for you, yeah. was probably the biggest weight that was... I mean, that, that weight and his ability to be able to breathe after mm -hmm. that, man, mm -hmm. like it was probably the, one of the best moments of his life. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't know for sure, but I do know that, that I think him telling the next three children of his was a lot easier, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it is interesting the, the power that the truth provides. Yeah. When we speak our own truth and we speak some of our <laughs> things in the shadow, in, within ourselves that we're not proud of or that we're ashamed about and we actually get them out, they lose so much of their energy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, when I was, when I was a kid growing up, my, my pops, um, he, 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 was, he was a dick when we were growing up. He, he was just, he was kind of a jerk. He was hot-headed. He, um, he was just mean. And he and my mom got a divorce. He had an affair. Um, and our very first visitation, right? So um, he became an every, an every other weekend dad. And we drove, we drove home. And my mom, I mean, she was unpacking her stuff, trying to figure out 
um, all of her emotions. But she was waiting for us at the front front porch or the yeah. front window yeah. when we, we pulled in. And so as soon as we pulled in, uh, my mom ran out of the house. Yeah. And she ran over to my dad's side of the car, and she was calling him a bastard, calling him all these all these names. Um, and I was I remember I was sitting in the back seat, and just for a brief moment, I I looked up, and my dad and I locked eyes in the rearview mirror, yeah. like we locked eyes, and he's looking at me, and then I just saw him give in, to, to this this rage that he had. He looked he looked down, his head bobbed in front of him. He let this big sigh out, and then he opened the corridor with such fury. It ended up hitting my mom. It split her lip. Um, she flew back, and she immediately started running um, back into the house. And he chased her, caught her in the caught her in the front yard. And my mom, whenever she was home, she would always wear like um, her pajamas was a zip-up robe, kind of like a onesie. A onesie, yeah, a onesie <laughs> without legs. So it was like a yeah, exactly. And so he grabbed that by her, um, grabbed it, and it ripped off of her, and she wasn't wearing anything underneath. Mm. And so there she is, naked, and my dad was just hitting her over and over and over again. And and by this time, my my sister and I are standing outside. Um, in the lawn and my, my legs felt like cement. Like oh. I, I was just standing there looking at this and I looked across the street and there was a couple of neighbors that were in their driveway and I watched them as they both just turned around, went back in the house and closed their garage door. Mm -hmm. um, and then about that time, I looked over at my dad. He looked at me, we locked eyes again. He looked at my mom, looked at me again and he goes, look in that, well, look what the hell you're doing to these kids. And he walked off, got in his car, and drove off and left my mom bloody naked uh, in the front yard, uh, right? So you <clears> fast <throat> forward years and years later, I'm married now, and so um, my my wife, who actually reminds me a lot of my wife, my mom, she's yeah. small, but she's mighty. She's, yeah. she's, she has an opinion, yeah. and, she, and and it's, <laughs> it's, it's a strong one. So we would fight quite a bit. Um, and what I would do when our fights got escalated because of that residue with my dad is I would get up and I would leave. And I would go for these long drives and... Um, because you were afraid of yeah. harnessing that same rage? Oh man, I could feel it yeah. in me. And, yeah. I, and the only example that I had, because I was raised by my mom, the only example that I had from my dad on how do you process anger yeah. is, is you do it through, through violence. Yeah. Um, so, so I would just, I would, I would take off and I, and I would leave. Um, and then what happened is I would come home and my wife and I would just kind of forget the whole thing happened. Mm -hmm. And, and we would never address those things that we were fighting about. Till finally one day she told me, she said, Rick, she goes, every time you do that, she goes, I, I hate the way that we argue. Mm -hmm. She goes, I want you to, to finish the fight with me. Mm -hmm. And so I told her I, where my baggage came from. And I said, so that's really hard for me. So if this is what we're going to do, I need to have a safe word. If mm -hmm. I tell you stop, then you and I just need to go to opposite ends of the house. Let me figure out how to process all this stuff. Yeah. Let me categorize yeah. it. Let me slow down <clears throat> everything. And then I'll come back to you yeah. and we can yeah. finish. So I'll tell you the very first argument, the very first one after that, after that yeah. um, we were arguing. And I can remember I was standing at the bottom of the stairs, the living room was separating us and my wife was in the kitchen. Yeah. And it reached that point, I can't hear you anymore. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting pissed off. And I told her to stop. And not only did she not stop, 
She charged me, got within inches of my face, and was just screaming at me. Um, Because that's, I mean, that's just the way that she argued. And so I stuck my hands in my pocket, held my breath, looked down, left the house, drove out, and that was the last argument her and I have ever had. Because what she taught me in that moment was, if you're not going to respect my safe word, if you're not going to back off when I tell you that I I can't process this anymore, then I no longer have a voice in my home. Right. So I didn't have one for more than a decade. I didn't have a voice in my home. And that manifested all kinds of ways. We were living in different, different bedrooms. I mean, there was no intimacy there. Um, it was just the only shared space that we really had was the kids' schedule yeah. um, or bills. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were together for birthdays and holidays and all that stuff, and we didn't fight, but we just we became roommates. Totally, pretty much. Right, is what it is. Right. And so the way the reason why I'm bringing this all up is because finally, at one point, I, I asked my wife, I'm like, you know what, I'm I'm really unhappy. Um, I would I would come home from work. She would look at me, look away, wouldn't even acknowledge that I was really there. Yeah. And I would go to work, though, the next day, and there was a lady there. Her name was Tracy. And I would walk in, and her face would light up. Uh-huh. And she would be like, Rick, and she'd come up, and she'd give me a hug, and she asked me what I did the night before. And so that messes with the man's mind. Mm-hmm. And I, I had an affair of the heart, or mm-hmm. an affair of the mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm turning into my dad. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't want to do this. And so I asked Deb... I'm like, you know what? Let's let's get back together. Let's. So nothing actually happened, but it was a, an emotional. Affair. Oh it, yeah, it was it was definitely an emotional. Affair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I didn't I didn't cross that line, but it was it yeah. consumed my thoughts. Yeah. Um, and so I told Debbie I was honest about that part of it, and I said, you know, let's move back into the bedroom. I'm like, I'm not asking you for anything. I go, but if we hold each other, if we have some skin on skin, yeah. Um, then maybe we can break down all of this mm-hmm. stuff and kind of find our way again. Mm-hmm. And she said no. She mm. said, absolutely not. And she goes, and I think it's ridiculous that the first place that you go to to repair us is sex. Mm. And um, so at that point, um, I went and started having some counseling, some therapy mm-hmm. on my own. Mm-hmm. And when I was in the counseling session, the, the guy asked me, he said, well, what do you think your role is um, as a husband and a father? And I said, well, I think it's to be present. So I want to be there for my kids. Mm-hmm. It's to provide. I want to make sure that they eat. I want to make sure that they, they're well clothed um, and to protect. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting to me is when I gave him those three Ps, this is what I think I stand for in my home. He said, well, Rick, in your um, mind, when you would leave, because I thought I was a failure for not being able to finish an argument, mm-hmm. he said that was your way of actually protecting your wife. So you were following through in the only way that you knew how. Mm-hmm. And by the way, getting angry like that is natural. A yeah. lot of people go through it. I thought I was broken and I thought something was wrong with me because yeah. I couldn't process yeah. my anger. Right, right. You know? So <clears throat> so to bring this full circle about having, I can't tell my wife that mm-hmm. or I got to keep that a secret. Um, he, the counselor, actually walked me through. So if you go through and have this conversation with your wife about that one instance where you said stop and she didn't, mm-hmm. um, what are all the different ways it could play out? And so we walked through all these different mm-hmm. scenarios, yeah. which I thought was awesome. So yeah. she could do this, she could do this, she could do that. And then he said, are any of those situations actually worse than where you're at right now? Right. And all of them brought healing no matter what my wife's reaction mm-hmm. was. 
So with all the courage that I could have, mm -hmm. kind of like your dad having that conversation mm -hmm. with you, mm -hmm. I went to my wife and I said, hey, we need to have a conversation about something. Here's what happened. More than a decade ago, here's that conversation. Mm -hmm. I said, stop, you didn't. This has broken everything for me mm -hmm. because this is what it turned. And I'll tell you what was interesting to me is when I had that conversation and I looked at her face and her mouth dropped, her eyes got super big and she goes, Rick, I remember that day. I completely remember that day. And she goes, I am so sorry. I'm going to get choked up here. Mm. She goes, I am so sorry. She goes, I never meant to take away your voice mm -hmm. in our home. And she goes, when you said stop, she goes, I honestly thought that was just part of the argument. Mm -hmm. She goes, if we had come up with a different word, if we had used tomato yeah, yeah, yeah. or something, she goes, that would have clued me in. And she goes, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. And so for more than a decade, we had destroyed a healthy version of marriage, mm -hmm. a healthy version for us, for the kids and mm -hmm. everything, because I internalized all of that yeah. and didn't feel safe and didn't find my voice to, to bring that up. Mm. So... Um, so yeah, it's huge. It's huge. It's so huge. lesson number one, don't use stop as your safe word. Yes, don't use stop as a safe word. It's not a good safe word. <laughs> Tomato, yeah. eggplant, yes. pasta. Something use different. something that uh, yeah. doesn't fit with probably the, yeah. the potential. Yeah, it doesn't just bake into the argument that yeah, you're having. Exactly, already. exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and lesson number two is, yeah, like if you could have had that conversation with her within that week. Yeah. It would have been a different decade. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it would have been completely different. Yeah. What I give you credit, though, for is that you guys are still together. Yeah. And, and way better off than you were, especially during that, that decade. Yeah. Tell, tell the, the listeners what else you've put in place, the contract. and so Because you started talking about what you... You initially went with what your needs were, which is not so much sex as it was just like some type of physical intimacy, you know? If right. you're talking love languages, it could just be physical touch. We right. could just, just be holding each other, right? Yeah. Or hugs or yeah. some, some sort of like acknowledgement that you're alive and yeah. that you're still her husband, you know? Yeah. But yeah. What, else, what else did you guys do? Well, and so one of the things I feel very fortunate is that my wife was very receptive yeah. when we had that conversation, yeah, which was amen. huge. Yeah. Um, and so that broke us into or broke down a lot of those walls mm -hmm. and so I basically got to date my wife over again we That's got cool. to start over yeah. um, but we started over from a very sort of analytical kind of place mm. um, we had 10 years of worth of baggage that we had to sort through of of things that we had said or done that had hurt each other in mm -hmm. ways that we needed to show up different mm -hmm. um, you know it's because my love language is um, personal, or it's, it's physical, physical touch. touch, it's words of affirmation. Yeah. Um, her is acts of service. So we had to kind of figure out what some of that stuff was. Mm -hmm. And so we defined how that showed up. So for instance, I was honest about the affair of the heart with her. I'm mm -hmm. like, this wounds me when I come home after a 12 hour day mm -hmm. and you barely acknowledge me when I walk in, mm -hmm. when I walk in the door. Yeah. Um, so what's important to me is when I come home, stop what you're doing come up to me and give me a kiss. Right. And so that actually became a contract that we wrote for one another on how we need to show up. So mm -hmm. there's things like, greet me when I come home, 
Um, we sit by each other on the couch now where before if we shared space, we were, she was on one couch, I was on the other. Now mm -hmm. we're side by side. Mm -hmm. Um, we go to bed at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's not me staying up late or her staying up late. So we go to bed. Um, when we go to bed, there's no TV, there's no cell phones. Yeah. Um, and there's smaller things like for me, it's huge. Um, uh, when we go somewhere, I actually hold the car door open for her to get in and outside of the car. Mm -hmm. um, so all these small little things that we do, um, and now what we do is we we take we go out on date night once a week, which um, is part of the rules. But then once a month, we take the contract back mm -hmm. and we review it and mm -hmm. say, so are these things still important? Is this working or is this not working? Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you, it's it's um, it's been amazing. That's pretty cool. Which which of those things were your things and which of those things were her things? Um, what were like the top two for you and the top two for her that were really so meaningful? my so <clears throat> so mine was hers was that that I'm open and that I'm honest because I I just bottle stuff up mm -hmm. all the time mm -hmm. so she's like as soon as um, something's on your mind talk to me because mm -hmm. she said she what she wanted from the contract was she didn't want to have to think or try to figure me out on my own. Mm -hmm. Like she just wanted me to be there. Mm -hmm. um, and then her other part was just me being involved um, or being present with her in the house. Um, so instead of me coming home and giving her a kiss and walking off and finishing up work, um, home is home. Yeah. So turn work off and then just be present with the family. Yeah. So mine was kiss me when I come home and mine was let's go to bed mm -hmm. together mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. It's amazing how those little things... Um, make a, a vast difference. Oh my God, dude, it's huge. Yeah. Like, I'll tell you that it, it, it not only saved our marriage, it saved my life really, because mm -hmm. um, it was a pretty dark decade for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was always we're worried about um, how our marriage showed up for the kids. Mm -hmm. So I never had an example past nine years old of what marriage looked like, right? Yeah. And so, I wanted to make sure I wasn't every other weekend dad. I wanted to be present. And I tried to talk myself into that our situation for that decade was good enough for me. So mm -hmm. I would come home and uh, my youngest daughter would still run to the door and call me daddy. And she'd sit on my lap while we were watching TV. Uh, my son was home. He was in college. He would still share his, his papers with me. Mm -hmm. So like I, I talked myself into that was enough. But my kids saw us in different rooms. Mm -hmm. They saw us that we there wasn't harmony inside our marriage. And so I always wondered, hmm. like, what did I just teach them about home life? Mm -hmm. I know what my dad taught me. I didn't want to teach my kids that. I don't know that I taught them something that was any better. Right. But what we've been able to do for the last year and a half is now my son walks up from the basement from doing a college paper, and my wife and I are holding each other on the couch. Mm -hmm. And so they've been able to see that kind of both sides <clears throat> and what honest communication can actually bring to home. Well, what perseverance looks like. For sure. <laughs> Resiliency. For sure. Because I think nine out of 10 relationships to have gone through what you went through wouldn't, wouldn't last. Yeah. I don't know, I'm making that up, but it seems like most of most people give up at that point. Um, and the fact that you both, credit to both you guys, but like you, you give credit to your wife, but especially for you too, that there was still the openness and the receptivity to working on it it's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty we, cool. we have um, a Bible study where we have um, friends that are coming, that come and meet with us and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking to them about all of this. And what was interesting to me is even after all of this healing stuff happened and my wife was sharing her side of the story and she, she was breaking down. Yeah. 
through all of that, I knew that I was wounded and really honestly had no idea that she was too. Mm. Like I really thought she didn't care. Mm. Like I, I, and so it surprised me to, to watch her and hear her go through that when she yeah. shared her side of the story. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Cause just, just yesterday I was chatting with a friend on WhatsApp. Um, and, and she's married and, um, you know, with her child and stuff like that, um, just talking about some of the things that she was feeling. <clears throat> and I was like, I think this is, you have to be careful because this is the beginning of the four R's. Have you ever heard about the four R's of no, kind of a, a failed relationship? There's a couple of different versions of it, but the way that I learned it was that there's an initial, um, like, uh, resistance. Is that right? There's uh, a, <laughs> it's funny. I just thought about it yesterday, but I read an article and it kind of switched up my mind. There's initial um, resistance, right? Of that initial like, oh, I hate it when they do that. Like, mm. I wish they wouldn't say that story or like, man, every time I come home, you know, I wish there was an actual hug and a kiss, but there isn't. It's like, ah. Uh. And then it turns into resentment. And then it turns into right. <clears throat> um, repression, you know, or rejection, you know? And then ultimately the last one, uh, in some of the things that I've learned is, is more like revenge. And then it's like, you're no longer a team. You're just at each other's throats, right, you know? Right. And so, um, it, it just one bakes into the next, you know? And I can see in, in my failed relationships where either myself or my significant other went through those same things, you know, I'm like, oh man. So, um, you know, this friend of mine was talking about her feeling some resentment, you know? I was like, okay, you're already at the second, moving towards the third R, you know? And when you get into rejection and repression, where you just start holding it in, you know? That's where you really, really kill the intimacy, like you said, Yeah. right? And then the revenge would be like, you know what? Screw you, I'm out, and by the way, I'm gonna make this a living hell for you, you know? Yeah. To, to get back at them, you know? Um, it's just, it, like I said, it's just interesting to see that you guys were both very much in that kind of repressed, rejected phase for a decade and you yeah. didn't actually go into revenge yeah. you went back and like you said you had to kind of unlayer a decade worth of baggage but you did it yeah which is pretty cool yeah you know? and i'll tell you even now even even a year and a half later after going through this i feel like i'm still dating my wife yeah like it's it's that's it's cool. amazing that's cool yeah it's absolutely amazing. as it as it kind of should be yeah. You know, you should feel like you're constantly, because we're all evolving. So you can be, you know, we'd like to think that like, oh, who they are today is who they were five years ago, but it's not the case. Yeah. So we should be dating our significant others. Yeah. As long as yeah, we're And I'll tell you, renewing the contract every, every 30 days has mm -hmm. really kind of been the thing. And I, I don't think, um, in my opinion, that we'll ever get, we'll never not have that. Um, like, like I think the autopilot part for us mm -hmm. is reviewing the contract every mm -hmm. month, mm -hmm. for sure. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And you just do it on the, the end of each month or whatever. Yeah. yeah, so we do it on the first Friday of every month. So first we go Friday. out every Friday, and the first Friday of that month is when we do the contract. So it's kind of over a date, a date night? Uh -huh. Yeah, it's date okay. night. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I think a lot of people can take away uh, from that, because I think that... We left our contract once at a table. <laughs> 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 so I wonder what the waitress thought about that when she... Was cleaning it up and we left it there. Could have been a blessing. <laughs> Maybe. I think so because I think it's one of those yeah. things that like I hear it when, when you first told me. I was like, oh, it's brilliant because I've heard of other families have like a like a family manifesto 
like a mission statement for the whole family, and this is what we stand for. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's really um, cool. So that you kind of have a, a foundation of like how how you expect as family members to treat each other and then also to treat other people. Um, I've seen a few of those different versions of that, which I think is something I want to instill in my future family. But I think the contract is super important too because it's just as like the kids are going to come and go, you know, they're going to grow up. Right. And so, but to have a living, you know, Google Doc or a contract that you keep coming back at looking at what are your needs because your needs are going to change as you, as you age, you know. And yeah. as seasons change, and I think that's that's brilliant. Um, makes for uh, at least once a month a, a great time to to check in and say, hey, are your needs actually being met? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah, and and some of the small things like what did not show up originally on the contract was, um, and that what my wife added later is mm. she forgets to eat. She forgets to eat lunch, and she's real small. I don't. Mm. She's five foot four, eighty five pounds maybe. Yeah, if yeah. she's wet yeah. um, and so she's like hey will you just remind me to, to, to eat lunch yeah. and so it's just programmed into my phone and so at lunchtime I always call her up or yeah. to send her a text hey yeah. don't forget to eat yeah. um, so I mean even small things like that mm. um, have become very important you would you see it's interesting because I would think there might be some people who are like I'm not going to do that for you like you're a grown ass woman you, you remind yourself to eat but I think it's one of those things that like yeah, that's actually not, not allowed. Right. So, so however the other person needs for us to show up, yeah. that was one of the original conversations is whatever that is. Um, Are you willing to do it? It's yes. Yeah. Like, like we're, we're not, <clears throat> like I'm not, negotiating. you don't get to barter for me what I need yeah. and I don't get to barter that for you. Yeah. Like we just show up. Yeah. Um, and so anything that's been redlined or anything that we've taken out of the contract, it was because the person who initiated it said, you know, I don't, I don't need this part anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it's been removed, but it doesn't work the other way. Yeah, I guess. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. And did yeah. you come up with this on your own, or was this something from your your counselor, your therapist? No, or? actually, oh, <laughs> actually, my wife read Fifty Shades of Grey, yeah. and there's a version of that in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's kind of where it came from. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I did read that, actually, just to see what all the... <laughs> Well, the hype was all about, and he, yeah, he has that kind of like non-disclosure statement. It's kind of like a contract. Yeah, it's like if you yeah. want in relationship with me, this is right, know. and it, and then you know both sides get to pick hard limits, soft limits, and that yeah. kind of stuff. And yeah. so that that piece is in there too, um, but the part that's making the marriage work is yeah. really all those other softer skills. Yeah, is is the stuff that's um, kind of healed everything. So you say like you can only use the feather. Yes. Um, and the, Absolutely. And, yeah. and, the, and the cozy handcuffs. The feather is in there. Yes, it is. Yes. Uh, so good. So good. Um, in, in terms of like the topic of passivity of men, where do you feel like that shows up the most, either in your own experience or that you see it just in men at large? You know, because it is the the repression and the rejection side of men just shutting down and sticking their heads in the sand and being like, you know, and I've been there, like whatever you want, or like passionless. I don't, I don't. I'm directionless. I don't know what's going. On. I'm just like. So so I I don't I don't know what the science is behind this, but I can yeah. give an example. So my wife runs a preschool. Yeah. And so she she brought she she did this thing with the kids. It's a it's a school of the arts, and so they they work on art and mm-hmm. singing and dancing and stuff. And so what she did was she created a 
painting, sort of. So it was a, just a poster board that had an edge mm -hmm. that was around it. Um, and then in each corner of the poster board, there were different colors of dollops of paint or puddles of paint. Mm. And then in the middle, they put a marble. And so she had a boys team and a girls team. And the boys, you know, you'd move and pivot the, the art or the frame and then the marble would go in the paint and mm. then they would make a design, cool. right? Cool. And so both teams were doing that. And she goes, Rick, it was the craziest thing. She goes, on the boys' side, they were all like, oh, this looks cool. Let's go get over there and let's do that. And so they were all really working excited together working and together and doing it. Yeah. And she said on the girls' side, that wasn't the case, uh. that they were yelling at each other going, we already used that color. Don't do You're doing it wrong. Uh. And she's like, we're bred like that. Uh. She goes, it was just... She goes, it was really interesting for her to watch. And I think passivity shows up a lot because men might just not want to argue. And instead of going there, you know, and I'm just going to go ahead and let you have yeah. your way. Yeah. Um, and in a small example, um, the way that showed up in my home and it was part of the contract is um, I would give the kids direction and say, like, they'd ask me if they could go eat in the basement and I'd mm -hmm. say, sure, go ahead. Mm -hmm. And then my wife would come up and say, no, finish at the kitchen table and then you can go downstairs. Mm -hmm. And so the kids would listen to her cause she just overruled me. Mm -hmm. And then it showed up later where they would ask me something and go, Oh, never mind. We better just go ask mom. Mm -hmm. And so she took away my voice. Mm -hmm. And so showing up in those kind of things too and saying, Hey, look, you know, my <clears> voice <throat> matters. And if you disagree with me, that's cool. Right. Like you're like, disagree with me and right. if I did something wrong right. coach me through it but don't coach me through it by taking taking superior superiority over yeah. my voice with the kids yeah. Yeah. so pull me aside and then let me correct it on my own mm -hmm. and the next time I'll, I'll do something that's more supportive of what you want in the house too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a example of that with my wife's parents is my wife's mom is really um, authoritarian, mm -hmm. authoritative. Mm -hmm. And um, so what she's learned about what it means to be a man is from her dad, mm -hmm. who right now, and I always tell Debbie this, I'm like, he's really nothing more than a butler to your mom. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And he's not living any of his own dreams or his own adventures um, because that's how he found his identity is by, by being very passive and submissive mm -hmm. to his mm -hmm. wife. And I think both of those, I mean, that's just dangerous. I mean, everybody needs to find their balance inside their marriage that yeah. both, both sides are important. Yeah. Yeah. That's sure. kind of like the, the polarity of a relationship between the masculine and the feminine, yeah. you know? Um, and anytime that you have, uh, too much masculine energy coming from both partners, and this could be heterosexual, it could be homosexual, it could be everything in between, where if you just have too much masculine or too much feminine coming from both partners, you, you get a depolarization of a, of a relationship where there's no chemistry, mm -hmm. you know, and then you just end up getting in this like, you know, headbutting contest, right? Yeah. Uh, but you kill the intimacy. And I think that's the, uh, one of the, the bigger challenges where what, what solves all this again, is just conversation. You know, Absolutely. having open yeah. and honest conversation, which is super scary, takes a lot of courage, but it's so worth it. And you've proven it throughout this whole episode is the, the power of that, the power of vulnerability uh, when you're most scared, but actually facing it is what actually brings healing and being on the same page and, and creating that level of partnership, you know. Yeah. Well, and my therapist the exercises that he went through with me and saying what are all the different outcomes that this kid could go mm -hmm. um, has has been really a life lesson for me now. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so learning how to talk about things in the moment has been an adjustment, mm. but being able to go, how, how could all of this show up mm. is, has been big. Mm. Um, I read a book called high performance habits by Brendan Burchard. Oh, have you read it? Sure. Love that book. Yeah. And one of the best, the biggest takeaway I took from his book was, um, when you go from one scene to another, so you're reading emails, now you're going to go go into a webinar, or you just got home from work, and now you're going to go home. Mm-hmm. So to ask yourself three questions, mm. and the questions are, so whoever it is that I'm going to go see, it's my wife, I'm coming home, what does my wife need from me mm-hmm. going into the house? Mm-hmm. And then ask, what do I need mm-hmm. from this? Mm-hmm. And then how does the best version of me show up? So walk yourself through those things and then be deliberate with your actions mm. has been huge for me. <clears throat> Just that's gigantic. That's pretty awesome. I mean, we were talking about it before we started recording here um, when we're talking about goal setting, you know, and and how it's there's always uh, a, there's always going to be a result, you know, whether you achieve right. your goals or not. There's always going to be an outcome. So let's first get clear on what you want that outcome to be which is the objective, right? And that objective is typically a feeling that you want, right? Right. And so it, it still comes back down to and why I'm enjoying having these conversations and doing the work that I'm doing. It's like it's all of us defining what it means for us to become king of our own kingdom, of our own lifestyle, you know? Right. Being a man who is proud to lead, if at the very least, our own experience versus letting everything else outside of, of us dictate how we're to live. You Absolutely. Know? <clears throat> and, and at least, uh, you know, when you're taking your last breath in this human experience, being able to, to move on to the next with pride in your heart that, like, you showed up and you contributed, you know? And that's what you're talking about is, like, okay, what are her needs? Which is awesome. That That's the first question, which is, like, let's not always look to get. Let's first go to give. But then let's not also be a martyr, you know, there's also that balance of right. like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, to give, but also what are my needs? And then what, how am I focused on being the best version of myself day in and day out? I think those are yeah. hugely powerful. And yeah. I, and I think another, those are great questions to ask, even if those that might be listening or watching, um, are going into dating if they're single. Like yeah. I always think of this mantra of like, I'm not here to take, I'm here to give. I'm not here to, uh, to, to, to rob or to take anything away from you. I'm just here to be of service. Like how can I add value versus take away? And I feel like that's made dating so much more fun because I come in with a lot less expectation or desire to, to, to get or extract out of this, you know, and I'm just there to just give of myself and it makes for a lot more, uh, harmonious and pure connection. Yeah. I think you can use that exercise anytime there's two or more people in a room. Yeah regardless of the situation right like it's it's such a good exercise to go through for sure how does someone necessarily commit that to a, a habit though i mean it's like oh yeah someone could be listening like oh that sounds good they may have just written it down even but how do you go about actually remembering to to implement that is it just one of those things that you just have to keep at the forefront of your thought no no i i don't i don't think you ever rely on your yeah. memory for anything <laughs> yeah, yeah. um so so one of the one of the things that that i struggle with is is um my nutrition and my diet like it's terrible. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he was he's struggling with um, porn and 
sex addiction. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I struggle with Twinkies, man. Like yeah. that's like, like I love those or those, those frozen, those gas station pies and yeah. 7-Eleven nachos. Like that's, that's my, my <clears throat> nemesis, right? I'm sure there's porn though that incorporates Twinkies <laughs> and Eskimo pies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? And so, so one of my, my goals for that is, is I, I want to show up all, <coughs> my, my pops, he's five, seven, five, eight, maybe he's mm. 400 and something pounds. He's mm. a big guy. Mm. Um, all kinds of things of it. Like he's, he's immobile. He can't walk well, mm. um, diabetes. And so I go over to see it to his house and he's got this wicker basket that's sitting on his counter with 30 meds in there yeah, or more. Yeah. And, and so I asked him, I'm like, dad, how do you remember what all these are? What are they all for? And it all started with one bottle that had a side effect that made him take uh, another bottle uh, and now he's got this arsenal of stuff right uh, so so because i know that i struggle with my weight and because i don't really have an off button um, i'm never full um, to help me remember to be disciplined in those air places like on my pantry door the refrigerator door on my office door um, on the my mirror in the bathroom mm-hmm. i wrote it out to myself mm. and it says rick remember your goals be diligent in the actions needed to reach your goals, Mm -hmm. show up well for your family, show up well for yourself, love Rick. Mm. Um, So to answer your question, to remember to do that, I would stick a post-it note everywhere that, that, (laughs) I mean, have it everywhere, read it all the time, just to remind yourself, hey, before I go into a new situation or I'm with new people, I want to make sure that I ask myself these Mm -hmm. questions Mm -hmm. because I want to show up. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I mean, for for someone listening, post-it notes might not, work for them. Reminder it could just phone. Be, could be a reminder of their phone, which is certainly what I do. Um, it could be a, a bracelet with, with a certain amount of sentimental value, a ring. Um, it could be any of those type of little relics. Yeah, just that any, work. any trigger. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Anything that works in that regards. Um, I think that's, that's pretty cool. Um, I had another thought and it just escaped me. Um, oh, the, the, the idea that like, it's... <sighs> To me, it's just very, very clear that, um, you know, your, your father's pain uh, shows itself on the outside in his obesity, you know, where a lot of us, you know, if, if food isn't our coping mechanism, we can hide it a lot more, you know. Uh, right. We have a lot of high-functioning alcoholics or drug addicts or, you know, gamblers or porn addiction addicts and that sort of thing, but they all will catch up to you. You know, um, and it's one of those things that you can kind of see that like, that's not where you want to end up, you yeah. know? And so <clears throat> the, 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 and I made a video of this just the other day on the ski slopes in Park City it was like that I feel like true freedom is not financial freedom. It's not physical freedom. It's not, you know, emotional freedom. Well, it might partially emotional freedom. It's just really about the freedom from our feelings of a lack of self-worth if if we could if we can not if as we as men and as you know a society and and humanity just men and women can all work to heal ourselves of our shadows of our wounds mm-hmm. of our lack of um feeling like we have to constantly live this life of working to prove our worth to ourselves and to other people if you can just be <laughs> you know confident and who you are as a man or as a woman, then a lot of the, the world's challenges, you know, start to dissipate and heal themselves, you know? Yeah. Because you don't, if you love yourself enough, you don't eat yourself into oblivion, you know, to where you're 400 pounds, you know? Um, 
and that, or, or you know, statistically six times more men are killing themselves these days, right? Like you don't kill yourself either, you know, physically or emotionally if you love yourself. So that, that is all the more reason why at this day and age, I feel like these conversations are so important because it's just been, this is the time when <laughs> we have the bandwidth, we have the abundance, you know, to actually be having these conversations where in past generations, it was either there's world wars or depressions, you know, right. or, you know, you're immigrating to another country. There's just so many other stresses and there weren't the amount of tools available to, I think, past generations that we now have. So I think it's, it's our responsibility to stop the generational shame that's been passed from generation to generation to generation of people, uh, particularly let's say our fathers, not knowing how to cope with their pain and just either running, you know, <laughs> being, right. you know, kind of absentee fathers or finding addictions, you know? Right. So right. I think that's the... Am I allowed to give you a plug on your own show? <laughs> sure. Can I do that? So, so you know, they they say that you are the sum of the five people that you hang around with the yeah, most, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think probably the biggest wounds that any of us have to try to overcome is when there's somebody else that we want to love us and they can't love us in the way that we want them to or need yeah. them to, yeah. right? Yeah. And so when that happens, we begin to look at ourselves and we begin to acknowledge and fuel all of the insecurities that we have already built in, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, I, I was listening to this podcast and this guy said, your brain will answer any question that you give it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's huge. So if you're going into a situation and you're thinking to myself, why does this always happen to me? Why does, why am I always alone? Why do um, people always break up with me? Or why do I never get that job promotion? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If that's your self-talk, you're going to answer all of those questions. Mm -hmm. But if you could flip that somehow and say, what kind of value can I bring to this company mm -hmm. in a new role? Mm -hmm. Or whatever, then your mind starts to answer those questions and then you begin to live in that action right. and that positivity. And what you're doing with your meeting of men, for me, surrounding myself with the five people that I want to be the most like, mm -hmm. is the tool that I'm using for what you've created. Mm. For me, man, it's huge. And I, from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you yeah. very much. Because I look at, for a long time, my circle of influence um, I had to take a hard look at that and realize that that wasn't going to put me on the trajectory mm -hmm. of who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing has been a catalyst for that. That's so awesome. thank you. That's awesome. Well, thank you. It's been fun to have you uh, as a friend and fun to have you on the, the podcast. Um, who knows where this all will go, you know, but this was just literally a year ago. It was all just a kind of a figment of my hopes and dreams, you know, but I was super scared about it too. So fun to see yourself and so many of the other guys kind of embrace it and say, this is what we've been looking for. You know, um, it's been fun to, to kind of create that because this, I can't tell you how many men have been reaching out to me just literally in the last 30 days <laughs> to say, Hey, I'm looking to create the same thing in my city. You know, how are you doing this? This is so needed. Like it just, I think it's just the right time. And it's so many, uh, I think there's a band of brothers and I think there's, there's strength and power in brotherhood, 
You know, Absolutely. and as you're as Absolutely. you're stepping up and we're linking arms and then like, hey brother, come join us and there's just starting to realize that like I think that's the biggest takeaway from 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 men's first uh, first experience of any of my meeting of men here in Denver, which is like I had no idea that there were other men that felt the same way that I did. And that's the scary part, which I remember thinking the same freaking thing yeah. ten years ago when I started getting into my own men's work. But we don't have the conversations, you know, because we just think the like, for me to actually express that would be weakness seen by another man. So maybe we tell mom or maybe right. we don't, maybe we tell our spouse, but maybe we don't tell anyone. Right. And it's just cool that we're getting together and we're Yeah. And if men, if men are in a broken place right now trying to navigate through life and if they're on social media or anything, yeah. um, they're getting some mixed signals on what it means to be a man yeah. right now yeah. and trying to navigate through that. Yeah. So like like you said, I think it's really needed right now. Yeah. The timing stuff is important <clears throat> and you're doing great work. Oh, I appreciate like, it. You really are doing well, great work. I appreciate it. You're, you're, you're helping so. me. You're helping fuel me, but also helping obviously add a lot of value too with this and with our next meeting of men and uh, all that stuff. So thank you. Absolutely, man. With that, we'll uh, wrap things up. Um, certainly appreciate you listening and uh, watching if you're watching on YouTube. Um, would love for you to like, share, subscribe. Uh, you know, give us give give me your feedback. Give me uh, a, a rating on Apple Podcasts or write a review. All that stuff is super helpful. Even um, shoot me an email. Let me know what questions or topics you want to talk about. So, Rick, thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch Appreciate up soon. It. Thank you guys for tuning in. Take care. And that's our show for today. I want to thank you so much for listening. And hey, if you got something positive from this episode, I'd be honored if you'd share it on your favorite social platform. It also really helps to get the word out if you subscribe and leave a review of the show on Apple Podcasts because I read every single one. Something you think we could be doing better? I love constructive feedback as it's always welcome. And please feel free to email me at podcast at johnnyking.com with any questions or concerns. I'm also available on Instagram at johnnyking or on facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach. Thanks again for joining me. I've been Johnny King. You've been awesome. And we'll catch up with you next time. Peace.